We're four moms living in Silicon Valley. We all landed here from four different places. Candice from Philadelphia. Jasmine from San Diego. Tamara from Toronto. And Kim from Atlanta. New motherhood can be scary, but beautiful and really overwhelming. So it's nice to have the right people in your corner cheering you on. We found each other and now we want to share with you. Welcome to Mom Seat. We are back for another episode of Mom Sync. I'm Kim Smith Jenkins, and today we're going to talk about our journeys into parenthood. It is such a beautiful experience, no matter how you decide to get there. And each one of us has a different story, and we want to share that with you. And ladies, I know we've had this conversation several times, and we've talked about our uh, decision to become a mom, the anxiety behind that, um, just so many things that come with becoming starting this journey and I know Candace we'll start with you you've had a pretty interesting story too so um sure I'd, um I think the thing to remember with starting this journey is that you have this conversation with your partner and I think sometimes for men you may be talking about actually having children and they may think it's a I don't know rhetorical discussion they believe that'll happen um but I don't I think every male partner is different or partner in general is different in terms of really crystallizing in their mind that, okay, this is actually happening. Um, so for my husband and I, it was pretty crystal clear in that um, we uh, decided to go through IVF uh, mainly because I had had uh, fibroids and um, through that, it's like peeling an onion, found out I also had polycystic ovaries, which would, you know, make it a little difficult to get pregnant. Um, so in consult with uh, my physician, um, we decided to go down the route of IVF. Um, it was a three-month process, and at the time, my husband and I were living apart, so he was in California, and I was in Philadelphia. And it was a lot of planning in terms of figuring out kind of your trigger time. So um, your trigger time is essentially when, after you've given yourself any number of shots, um, blood tests, transvaginal ultrasounds, you name it. I think I was getting stuck more than two ways, twice a day. Um, you know, you, can't, you have to come to a time frame where, um, at least for me, my husband would be available to help me when the eggs were essentially full and they were ready to be extracted is like the wrong word, but essentially um, extracted. Um, so that was a little bit of, of, of planning there. Um, and I, another interesting thing that I found out was that they um, make you pre-order um, your drugs. So I had like $12,000 worth of all these fancy schmancy drugs that had to sit in my refrigerator. And when I got to the end, I didn't actually have to use more than 3,000 of it. So I had almost nine to $10,000 in drugs that I could do nothing oh with. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so um, can't return them. So I did find out, which is interesting, um, cancer patients, female cancer patients who are um, in the process of getting treated for cancer, their fertility, um, any, um, fertility for them is not covered by insurance. Um, whereas if males 
are going through uh, prostate cancer, um, their fertility is um, essentially saved or um, rescued. So I thought that was very interesting. And what I ended up doing was donating um, my medications um, to at that clinic to the women so that they would have that available to them and they could use that um, free of charge. So that was part one of our journey. So after we did all of that, went through that process, um, just felt very full and fertile and had, you know, I think they extracted 33 eggs. You go through this process of elimination. You have to see how many, um, uh, you, you get a certain number of eggs. Then from the eggs, they fertilize the egg and the, with the sperm so that you end up with an embryo. The next stage is to see how many embryos survive to day two. And once they survive to day two, it's seeing what grade those embryos are. So um, at my clinic, they only wanted graded, grade B or above. So any embryos that were genetically tested and just essentially tested for fitness, um, they had to be grade B or above um, in order for you to move forward. So at the end of all of that, after we extracted 33 eggs and um, went through that whole process, we ended up with one embryo and it was exhausting. It was tiring, it's emotionally draining. You're um, getting blood tests, you're getting ultrasounds. It was all day, every day, seven days a week for a good solid four weeks. We were, I was ready, I was like, you know what? I'm good, we'll relax, I'm not gonna think about it. Um, I wasn't on any birth control to speak of, and uh, lo and behold, um, essentially, I'd say four months later, um, actually three months later, uh, we got pregnant naturally with uh, my daughter, Cannon, and uh, it was quite the shock. Um, <laughs> I think my husband is still traumatized by the way that I told him was by text. <laughs> yes, I did. Him? Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, he was in California, so I was like, I literally had just found out. I was like, oh, my God, we're pregnant. And Mark was like, that's the way you tell me that? <laughs> I think his uh, colleagues still tease him because, I mean, his face must have just all the blood drained out look like someone shot him. So that's how he I found mean, how out. do you deal wow. with that in a workplace? You're like, um... Do I call he you? He didn't deal that uh, very well. But a lot of women are go are going through or went through that experience, and just you know, you describe the whole science behind it. But talk about you mentioned the emotion, how taxing it was emotionally. Right. Like, mm -hmm. what's going through your mind as you're like just praying and hoping that this will all happen? Um, I think a lot of it, you you don't think about hormones until you're injecting yourself with hormones and what that emotional toll is but you just feel very sensitive everything you feel like your pores are open like you see things you see children and all of a sudden you're crying or you know you see something someone doing a kind thing and it makes your heart feel good or you see someone doing a not so kind thing and it hurts your heart so a lot of it is you just walk around like with your heart on your sleeve when you're going through um through that process. It's draining physically because you also have to kind of cocoon yourself. Um, you can't do a lot of exercise or um, strenuous activity, ways that you might maybe blow off steam. So you can't go and go for a run or you know go to spin cycle or, or uh, a cycle class or spinning class or everything has to be very calm, very measured, very relaxed. 
and even doing things like um, yoga. They didn't want you to do that because they didn't want the twisting motion uh, of your body. So it's literally kind of a, a month of being on pins and needles, not being able to um, really relieve any stress and just being super emotional and crying and- And stressed at the same time about yeah, the entire all, thing. All the stress of just the pressure of like, am I going, what am I going to end up with at the end of this? Will I have a baby? Um, is this something that, you know, I'm impacting my future fertility? Um, will I have to do this, another round of this? I only did one round. People do two, three, four rounds of it. And then your insurance also doesn't pay for all of these rounds. Like mine happened to at the time, but, you know, and they take you through all of these again very clinical steps but there's a lot of emotion to it because you're wondering is this going to be it i'm going to going to get it or am i going to have to go on and then the pressure behind that because you hear so much and we talked about this in one of the mom groups that i was a part of um well as i was going through prenatal yoga was the term advanced maternal age like you hear so much of that and all the pressure like you have to have the baby now and you know or it may be too late and Tamara, if you want to share your experience, like, as you decided. Because you I'm AMA? Okay. No, well, I'm just saying we hated that. I'm just, that I'm just kidding. No, I mean, it's literally, it's, like, so much pressure that they put on women to make you feel like, and I'll talk about my story, too, in a little bit, but <laughs> I think it's just ridiculous when they try to make you feel like you have to fit into this, this age group yes. in order to have a child. It is really, all of it is very stressful, and, yes, I am advanced maternal age, too, um, and I think the whole pregnancy really started being serious for me about, I would say, about five years ago. Um, my husband and I have been together for 12, 13 years now. And initially, you know, we were kind of rocky at the time, but I was like, okay, if we're going to split up, then who am I going to, you know, who's going to be able to who am I going to have kids with and it would basically be me starting all over again so the idea of like oh should I freeze my eggs what should I do um, was pretty relevant so almost going down the IVF route and so that kind of jump started my mindset I always knew I wanted to have kids but it wasn't you know you, you have to set up a lot of things beforehand like potentially having a partner so <laughs> or somebody to give you those eggs uh, fertilize those eggs so for me even the IVF conversation it was happening a, a lot around me too with a lot of friends I have a friend that I I took her to get her retrieval um, yeah and then another my sister she's very vocal about going through many rounds of IVF so when she had first started or started thinking about it I ended up going to a fertility clinic and uh, trying to decide you do your AMH test which is anti something hormones and basically they test how what your ovarian reserve is and how how f many eggs you could potentially produce and even that in itself you needed to go uh, get an ultrasound every day you needed to go in at 830 and and you went through all of this many you know and but even just to do that it it was taxing so fast forward anyway um my husband and i were pretty fortunate to have gotten pregnant pretty quickly 
And before that, though, I had had a, a miscarriage, so, uh, but, but did end up getting pregnant fairly quickly, which uh, I'm very lucky about. And we got to a point where we decided, finally, when he owned up to being like, okay, yes, I want to have kids, and we decided to move forward with our relationship as well. But it still wasn't until years later, being in our relationship, that we said, okay, that was my baby, by the way, not me. Um, <laughs> that we, we love decide. our baby soundtrack <laughs> yes, on our podcast. I'm holding her. Um, but it wasn't until a while later that we said, okay, we're ready. And, you know, everybody says to you, you are never ready to have children. I disagree. I think we got to a place in our relationship, we got to a place financially that we were ready, that we decided, okay, we're comfortable. And it, it just... I don't know. I feel like it made the excitement a little bit better. And not that, you know, some people, everybody's excited, most likely. But for us, we felt like the time was right. Yeah, and I totally agree. Like, being in my 30s, I am glad that I, you know, had this experience with my husband. We come from Atlanta, and of course, being in the South, Everyone has children or has the pressure of having children early. So a lot of our friends were already like two, three kids in. And so they're like, okay, Kim and Jared, what are you guys doing? Are you going to have a kid? Are you going to have a kid? When is the baby coming? Now that Juliet's here, it's like, when's number two coming? I'm like, can I enjoy my six-month-old child? <laughs> so uh, I think like just being around all of that pressure of just when to have a child, when to get married, all of those things, because you know, being in the South, it's like the Bible Belt, and it's like this this order that you're supposed to, you know, go to school, you graduate, get married right away, you have a kid right away, and then it's just this, it's just kind of part of the culture, um, and so to speak. And so I think being, like you mentioned, Tamara, like at a place where you feel comfortable with your family and feeling like you have the means to provide, you have, and I mean, I say, some people say you're never truly ready I don't think that I think you're always going to be preparing for something so why not now because even when you become a parent and you have everything together and if there's still something in your head you're like oh my gosh am I prepared to do this am I prepared to take on whatever it is it may be tangible or intangible but I think like that was the only thing that really kind of went through our minds as becoming new parents um, is are we going to be able to give Juliet the full attention? Are we going to be able to provide for her in the way that we truly want to? Are we going to be able to change this uh, cycle of like financial cycle within a family? Are we, you know, all these things we start to play out. So I feel like it's always this longing for preparation as you become a new parent. And so that's kind of our story, what we experienced. But Jasmine, I know you are awaiting your bundle of joy. And talk about your experience and how you guys decided to come to this place. Um, okay, let's see. Uh, I'm try I've been trying to think about how to start this. Um, so uh, my husband, Alashan, has always been like a big family guy. He's an immigrant. He's lived in the U.S. since he was young, but it was just him and his mom. So he's always had that really strong, strong pull for a family, like a solid rooted family and um, we started dating when I was 16 so um, I've always been the one to pump the brakes on things you know we were dating for a long time and everyone's like you should get married and I'm like 
he's basically my first boyfriend. Like, we got to, like, make sure this is going to, you know, this is going to rock if we're going to get married. So we, you know, we took 10 years to get married. And then, you know, it's like, okay, well, when are you going to have kids? And I'm like, well, I've been with the same man since I was 16. I need to, like, be a, a full individual woman before I decide to have a baby. So Elishan's over here like, oh, you know, we should, we should try and da-da-da. And I'm like, you know, let's just, let's just wait until I'm like, I don't know, 30. <laughs> and it was kind of an arbitrary number, but my mom had me at 29. So I was always like, well, we have a good age difference. So 30, let's just see what happens when I turn 30. And as 30 rolled around, it was kind of like every day I would check in with myself and I'd be like, but I want a baby today. Nah. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then the next day, oh my God, I really want a baby. I've got like all these great friends with their gorgeous babies and I just want one. And then the next day it would be, well, I could or I couldn't. I, I could live with or without it. And then it slowly started turning into once a week I would want a baby to twice a week to three times a week to like 15 times a week. So... Um, I started um, just tracking my ovulation. I'm a planner with some things. So I was tracking my ovulation for three months before I even told Elishan we should start trying. <laughs> yeah, and then um, we went out of the country for my birthday, and so my 30th birthday. And when we got back, I was like, all right, let's do this. And I knew exactly when I was ovulating. I had the, the ovulation sticks. I had the thermometer. I had it all. <laughs> and... What was it? It was like two weeks later. I was like, oh, there's some like weird feeling in my stomach. It's, it's going to be negative, but let me just take it anyway so I can stop thinking about this. And lo and behold, I'm pregnant. And it was like really, really fast. So I'm glad that I, I pushed off those initial desires because I think for me, I definitely, I needed the time. I, I was very fortunate to know that I needed that time just being me. Um the same way I needed that time before I was a wife. I needed that time before I was a mother. Um, and I think, you know, I don't, I don't want to say it's perfect timing, but when I think about my life right now, not expecting a kid, I would be like, what am I, what am I looking forward to? You know, like I've got a great husband, I've got good family, I've got good friends, you know, it's when I think about it, it just, it, I'm really glad that we decided to do what we did. So going off of birth control is like a really big deal. And so I experienced it because when I moved out here to join my husband, I had a, you know, a stock of my birth control packed up in a box that was in my shipment that was behind me. So I was already in California. I flew ahead and my stuff was still in progress. So I was like, oh, I left my birth control at home or in the boxes. And so basically got out here, no BC. So I said, hmm, I guess I can just see how it goes. <laughs> so, you know, I wasn't, even when they, people say, were you trying or were you not trying? I was like, I wasn't trying not to try. So were you so, kind of like, Deciding that condoms were not an option. Nothing or? was an option. So it was just like, okay, if it happens, it happens. The rhythm method, guys. Yeah, yeah. Method. So I was kind of like, whatever God's plan is. Whatever here. God's plan is, that's exactly what it was. And so 
Jared was kind of like nudging me like, so, you know, that birth control. And I'm like, (laughs) oh, yeah, okay. And so I really, you know, I was really hesitant because I'm not a person that likes to take any kind of medicine. So initially even getting on it, it was a hard thing for me to do. And then even remember, I can't remember to take my multivitamin. Thank God I took my prenatal because that was really a hard thing for me to remember to do. And so um, I think like taking birth control was another thing. And so I was like, oh, going through that process. And then I didn't want anything deciding on which thing, which birth control to take. So I think like that's an interesting conversation with your partner. It's like, okay, when you finally decide, but even the type of BC. And then now that we're postpartum, then you have to figure out what to do (laughs) after the fact, after the baby comes and what to take. And it's so much to learn. Um, I think for me, just going back to the pre-pregnancy part, because I had polycystic ovaries, I had been on birth control for quite some time. Having the fibroid and kind of letting my body recover, it was rather nice and freeing not to have, you know, be a slave to that pill every morning. So to go back to that being on the um, IVF, having that huge infusion of um, hormones again was also kind of traumatic too. Um, But I say all of that to say postpartum, I was like, I know I'm not going to be able to handle having, um, taking a pill or remembering to take a pill with two out every two hour feeding. So I opted to go on uh, the Mirena and because I had a C-section, they just put that in, um, right at the surgery and I remember really yes what yeah they verified it there were like two things I was like and you're putting in a marina right and they're like yes yes okay it's like all right just wanted to make sure so marina is a type of birth control yeah it's an IUD gets inserted in the uterus um this one has a low dose of hormones but you can get ones that are just the copper device and um has very little hormones you still get your period all that fun stuff but Um, For me, it was more not that I didn't want to have um, more children. It was more about making sure because I have the embryo, there will be um, certain steps to get to that process. So I can have all the sex I want to and be free and whatever. But when it comes to getting that embryo implanted, I'm going to have to go through certain steps, hormones and timing and things of that nature so for me I thought it was a better choice to be on the Mirena so when that starts I can remove the Mirena or the IUD start on the appropriate hormones and then get the embryo implanted so that's my plan I just want to say TMI sorry I'll show if you hear this but um you know we just used condoms for forever and ever and ever. I tried. I know this is ever, everyone thinks it's crazy yeah. for like years and years and years. <laughs> and so now um, I don't know what we're going to do because I don't think I can talk <laughs> into going back to condoms because I'm also I'm like an, I'm not really feeling the whole birth control pill thing either. So, I mean, it's going to be very interesting to see. Yeah, what I'm we decide still trying to, do. to figure out. I, yeah. I haven't. <laughs> decided on what my method is right now so hopefully Juliet doesn't have a sister or brother on the way anytime (laughs) soon but we're not ready for two in Silicon Valley (laughs) we're trying to take care of one (laughs) but yeah I'm still trying to go through like you were saying uh, what do I want to do 
uh, postpartum. So it's a lot to think about. I, as far as I'm in the same boat, Andrew and I have always used condoms, always. And that, that stems from the fact that I think my dad is an ob and scared the living daylights out of me for our entire growing upbringing that, you know, we're, something's going to happen. You're going to STD or whatever, or you're going to get pregnant. And so it was just a natural thing. I was taking birth control and using condoms for a long time too. Um, and then stopped birth control about five, four years ago, I think it was. Um, but was still using condoms. So I guess for me after, because Adeline is only three months old, I'm really not even there to think about this yet. And I'm just, uh, okay, breastfeeding will work. And, you know, sex hasn't, it's still too early. Like we're not exactly out there being rabbits and <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's hard to kind of especially when you're breastfeeding I'm right there with you it's yeah. really hard to kind of just jump back into that side again and so same thing if it happens with condoms for us as well and so I I think like right now just thank my husband for being very patient mm -hmm. because I am like you know it's a lot being a breastfeeding mom and you know now like just trying to figure it all out and working and all this stuff is just, you know. For me, it feels like the last thing on my brain. Yeah. And also just walking around in my pajamas. I, I'm not exactly feeling very sexy, sexy all yeah. day. <laughs> so. Yeah. And that's even it, just trying to feel episode. sexy yeah. again in your, this new body, I think it's just, you know, and that's a whole other topic that we are definitely going to touch on one of these days. But we're going to take a little pause right here for our mom hack. It's Jasmine, and even though I am not officially a mama yet, I have a great mom hack for everyone. Um, I uh, really subscribe to put things where you use them. So if you need a place to hang those bibs and um, little mats that you use for your baby, throw one of those plastic command hooks on the back of your high chair so you'll always know where they are and where to put them after you've cleaned them. That's my mom hack. All right, thanks so much, Jasmine, for that wonderful mom hack. So when you're trying to get pregnant, there are so many different things that you hear out there, myths uh, that people tell you that will work. So I think for me, two things that I heard that were interesting about how to get pregnant, like determined boy or girl, um, one was whether you had sex on the floor or in the bed. <laughs> and then the second one is in order to get a boy, your husband, as soon as he ejaculates, he's to pull your legs, toes up in the air and hold them there for five to 10 seconds to make sure the swimmers go upstream. <laughs> that, that I think is, that's like the most popular one that yes, you hear. That, those are the two I've heard. I didn't hear about the boy and girl thing, but definitely the legs in the air. Mm -hmm. Don't, don't move. move. <laughs> yeah, don't move for sure. And that's what we did. It worked. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the one I heard was have sex every other day because men's sperm needs time. You want the good stuff. So <laughs> have sex every other day to make sure that he's got, you know, a good stock in there, I guess. <laughs> I've heard the not necessarily about how to get pregnant but i've heard one that was funny about how to have a boy or have a girl clearly we didn't do it because <laughs> we got a girl but <laughs> one of my friends swears that you know to have a boy he says that the 
the man has to, uh, I guess, stay in longer after he ejaculates, and that's how you just, you know, get a boy. And I'm like, okay, whatever. But I know it's totally silly. <laughs> Where but do people get this? I know. Yeah. Google. Yeah. <laughs> I think the an interesting thing is, and we'll probably talk about it another time, is the fact that we all have. Um, daughters um my personal theory is that it really depends on the personality of the dad i think all of our husbands have they're all not to say that they're not masculine they're all masculine but i think they have a tenderness or um just a softness about them that lends itself to being girls like a sensitivity no no (laughs) (laughs) For, for my husband i think she has brought the sensitivity out. Maybe it, it's true and it was just very dormant. <laughs> but, yeah, he's, he's definitely brought that out. And I'm going to do a shout-out to Kobe because... Hashtag girl dad. Yes. Yeah. Hashtag girl dad. And with that, we thank you so much for tuning into this episode of The Mom Sync. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to The Mom Sync. Join our tribe. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Mom Sync.